The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A pretty emphatic Game 1 win for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series against the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll break it all down for you here on Fantasy Sports Today. Also, the latest around fantasy football injuries to discuss as well with Dr. David Chow. For the next two hours, this is FST here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. And Joe, before we get to our headlines, a pretty emphatic win, no doubt, from the Dodgers in Game 1. We've seen this from the Dodgers before. The question is, how will the Rays respond? And that is what we will start off with here on the show today. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and certainly a big start for Clayton Kershaw, too, trying to uh, shake off some of the demons, some of the ghosts of postseason's past, perhaps. But uh, a very good start for Kershaw, a good start to the series for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, I kind of equate to the Chiefs, talked about this this morning here on the network. It feels a little bit like they have so many ways to beat you, whether it's with power, whether it's with defense, whether it's with running the bases or timely pitching. And that makes them a very difficult out in any series for sure. But uh, let's not count the Rays out just yet. It is only one game, but certainly round one was, as you said, emphatic and certainly uh, a no-brainer uh, Dodgers clear victory here in this one. They basically controlled this game from start to finish for the most part. I mean, it never kind of felt like the Rays really were going to sneak back in there after that big uh, middle of the fifth and sixth innings there where the Dodgers just basically pulled away from this thing. Yeah, it, it didn't, and and certainly Kershaw did the best job he could. He pitched well. On the flip side, Tyler Glass now showed a little rust, no question about that, mm-hmm. walking a lot of guys, throwing a lot of pitches in the process. So, that's where we'll begin with our headlines here on Fantasy Sports today on Sports Grid. We've got the Dodgers taking a 1-0 lead in the series. Now they're a massive favorite, of course, to win the World Series. If you were thinking about betting Tampa Bay, now is the time because you can get a pretty good value if you think they have a shot to win. Also, pretty good chance, according to multiple reports, that the Washington team name is going to be the football team again in 2021. That was a peculiar thing to say, especially with all the time that we have until next season. But here we are. New Orleans Saints will have fans in the stands starting on Sunday. We're seeing this around the league. Teams are starting to get a little bit more aggressive with fans being there. And look, the Saints want fans there. They want to help their team, and they're always good and very passionate fans there for sure. The Indiana Pacers announced Nate Bjorkgren. Did I get that right? Let's see. Bjorkgren as their new head coach. Yeah, Gesundheit. I, uh, three. I, I could do it five more times. I still may not get it right. <laughs> and, and the Carolina Panthers are back in their training facility today, and at least on this Tuesday, 
and Wednesday, we have more or less COVID-free time in the NFL, which has been rare. So I'm not going to get ahead of the game here, of course. And that's going to be a big part of the discussion as we go on later in the week for sure. But look, at this point, I think that what we can expect is, and I think we're starting to see this, Joe, and we saw it in the World Series last night where they had a lot of fans there, is that NFL Mm -hmm. teams are saying to themselves at this point, as they should, hey, look, look at that team. They have fans, and look at that team. They have fans. And I understand that this is a state-to-state deal, and there's politics involved and all of that. But the one element in sports that we've really missed as far as the outcomes are concerned in 2020 is home field advantage. None in the NBA whatsoever, very little in Major League Baseball, and none in the postseason. And so if you are the New Orleans Saints and you're looking south, you're looking to the Dolphins, and you're looking to the Jaguars, you're like, yeah, we want 10,000 fans here to help us win. And home field advantage has not meant much thus far. Maybe it will moving forward. Just ask the Vikings how little it's mattered, that's for sure. Um, And look, I think you're right. This is a state-to-state issue and also a spike-to-spike issue, too. You know, if you listen to the scientists, and you know me, I'm one of those crazy kids who believes in gravity and stuff like that, and then the Earth is round, uh, they'll tell you that things are starting to spike in certain areas as we're getting into fall and the winter seasons, and that's something to be aware of. There's certain places in the Midwest right now that are basically becoming hotspots and these super spreader events that happen sometimes where people get together and ignore the science, and that is a dangerous thing. Hopefully, these sporting events won't be those kind of events. Hopefully, they will take the proper precautions and getting everybody in the building, out of the building, everyone wearing masks in the building and, uh, and whatnot. But look, as long as they can do it safely, Sure. But if the science and the numbers are telling you these people are in danger, well, then what are you doing? I mean, look, it's a football game. And yes, it's important, but it's not life and death. And I know sometimes we want to make that equivocation in sports. Oh, it's life and death and we live and die with these games. The truth is we don't. And by the way, speaking of dying, can the, can the Washington football team name die? Can we just stop that? Are you telling me we can't get a damn name for this team? How can that be? How can we sit here for a year and not have a team? It sounds like I feel bad for these guys. That's like saying, oh, where do you work? I work at restaurant. What? Why do you work? I work yeah. at football team. I mean, nobody believes you if you go to work and say, oh, yeah, sure, you do. Sure, you work at office, right? Yeah, okay, you're, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, come on, man. Give these guys a name. How about the justice? Just go out there and roll with that. It sounds like a good name. I like it. What do you think? Yeah, look, I understand what they're saying. Basically, it takes a year to get everything going as far as marketing and getting the you know jerseys right and getting the production of it and changing logos. Look, I get all that point, but you almost still do have a year to sort of figure this out. So I'm not really sure what is taking so long, but uh, they, they feel like they've already marketed this football team thing pretty well. I got news for you. No one's buying Washington football team stuff outside of Washington. So... Hopefully they'll change their opinion on that, but that's where we stand for sure right now. Okay, so here's where we stand for the rest of the show. Coming up next, we'll have our fantasy standouts from Tuesday night. National League and American League in the World Series. Who did what? Those of you who have played fantasy baseball all season long, the stars really came out last night between the Rays and the Dodgers. No doubt about that. Also, we'll play a little game of trust or bust. We'll find out who you can trust going into this weekend and who you may not want to trust moving forward. As well as hearing from Dr. David Chow, what about Raheem Moster? What are the chances he's back in a couple of weeks? Who will suit up at running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, on Thursday? And what is the deal with the Tampa Bay wide receiving core? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, are they 100% healthy? Are they not? All those questions will be answered coming up a little bit later in the show. So make sure you stay tuned. We've got more coming up here on Fantasy Sports Today. This is Sports Grid, and we'll be back in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn-up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. What a game one it was in the World Series. Very exciting for about an hour, and then you knew exactly who was going to come out on top. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. Every day, noon to 2 Eastern, and every day this week, breaking down the World Series. Tomorrow, more of a shift, of course, toward football as we head toward another fantasy football weekend, another college football weekend as well. But, Joe, let's start off and take a look at the World Series last night. Of course, we know who the winner was. It was the Los Angeles Dodgers. But let's dive a little bit deeper and see who did what and break it all down for you. We'll start off with Clayton Kershaw, who threw six innings, gave up eight hits, two, uh, eight strikeouts, two hits, one walk, one earned run. It was a solo shot to Kevin Kiermeyer. Cody Bellinger also homered again yesterday, drove in two runs. Max Muncy always getting on base, always driving in runs. He did it again yesterday. There's no doubt everyone's talking about Mookie Betts today for sure. That is the big discussion. Two hits, a home run, an RBI, two runs, a walk, a steal, great defensive plays. This is every day for Mookie Betts. Corey Seager was on three times, but last now had no interest in pitching to him. And then Kiermaier was basically the lone star for, for Tampa Bay. Two hits, a home run, uh, two RBIs, and a run. So I can tell you, Joe, what the scuttle is today, basically, <laughs> around baseball. Uh, basically, what's happening is, aside from the World Series, and aside from the Dodgers winning in game one, this is sort of pivoted to a Red Sox conversation. And everyone is seemingly asking, why didn't the Red Sox sign Mookie Betts? Why didn't they offer him the money that he wanted? And, and why did they end up trading him? And, and look, it's not an easy answer. There's no doubt about that, Joe. But look, the Red Sox are basically in the position where they're trying to be like the Rays and not like the Dodgers. The Dodgers seemingly don't care about the amount of money that they spend. So therefore, they were able to trade for and then sign Mookie Betts long term. So I, I certainly can understand it from a Red Sox perspective. If you're a fan of them saying to yourself, why didn't we sign him? Why didn't we keep him? But that's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to go the other way. So whether or not you think it'll work for the Red Sox, I think that's a fair point of the discussion. But this that they're just not signing anybody to 10 year, $300 million deals with their new GM, Heim Bloom. They're not going to do it. Well, and I think you have to also think about what's happened the last few years with the Red Sox and the decisions they made. And to be honest, uh, I think you could question them at the time. The big money investment that you made in J.D. Martinez, an older player, a very good one, but an older player, 
the investment you made on Chris Sale, who's got, uh, you know, again, making investments in pitchers with big time money doesn't always work out. Unfortunately, it hasn't. So a lot of bad luck there. You look at it on paper, you say these guys are in the prime of their careers, and that's true. But are you paying for what they did or what they're going to do? And I think when you look at Mookie Betts, I think you saw a future there of a lot more years of what he could do. And now, unfortunately, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're seeing it in Dodger Blue. And it is right in your face, and I think it's tough. And we talked yesterday about MVPs, right, of the series potential. We talked about the odds on FanDuel, and my guy was Mookie Betts. And so far, he got off to a good start here. Cody Bellinger had the big hit, but Craig... I feel like it was the Mookie Betts moments in this game. It was the double steal. It was him stealing third. It was, you know, the base running of Mookie Betts. It was also his, just his presence at second base that really had so much attention of Tyler Glass now that I think it really threw him off. They had to go throw him pickoffs at second base and all these things, trying to trying to worry about Mookie Betts. And his presence in the game was so felt the entire time. And I think it is really important to have players like him that have been to the top of the mountain, that have won World Series, that have won championships, because I think it matters for a team mentally like the Dodgers that hasn't had that. That guy is so loose before the game, so loose after the game. And I think it rubs off on his teammates. And I think the Dodgers felt really kind of loose collectively yesterday going into this game, even though they've had some failures in the postseason. Clayton Kershaw, the poster child for failures. And I got to ask you a question, because the hallmark, of the Rays, and you saw it in Game 7 here, taking out Charlie Morton with a, a low pitch count. He'd been pitching really well. We go, How can that be, right? Why would they do that? Well, he was always right. What was the thought process in your mind of leaving Tyler Glass now in there? Because it was clear that by the time he hit that fifth inning, he was laboring. And he was throwing 98, but he was laboring through a lot of this game here in the fourth and fifth inning. And it seems like you're training these guys for sprints, and then you're asking them all of a sudden in the World Series to run marathons. That's not what the Rays did successfully all year long. Were you surprised that he left him in there to come out again to the sixth inning? And when he got a guy on first, that he didn't yank him right there and he can go to the bullpen, which is their strength? I think they knew they weren't going to win the game. I think they knew. That's fair. I, I think they, That's fair. I, I, think they, I think they saw a loss after four innings. And, and I, I know you hate to say you're going to make a guy wear it. That's the term that they use in baseball. I think that they made Glass now wear it a little bit, and they're all in tonight. I think that you'll see a completely different managed game, and hmm. I, and I think that they'll play they'll play to win tonight. It got away from them, I thought, very early, and I and it looked obvious. And once you let the Dodgers score five runs in a game, let's take a look back at Tampa Bay's entire postseason. How many times have they scored more than five runs in a postseason game? So that's not to say that they quit on the game. I think that they probably no, got to a position. No. Yeah, I think they got to a position in the game where they thought, you know what. We we just probably have to save the bullpen for the next two. And I would bet that the Rays will come back strong today. I would not be surprised to see them uh, win this game today. So they were up against it yesterday. Kershaw was definitely the better guy, no doubt about that. And after the game, Kershaw essentially said that if everything is going right for L.A., no one is beating them. I mean, if we play at our best, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think um, – I, I think we are the best team. And – I think our clubhouse believes that. And so, um, you know, there's going to be certain times where, you know, we get beat and we that happens. But as a collective group, if everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and playing the way they're supposed to, I, I don't I don't see how that can happen. And, and, and honestly, I feel, Joe, that's fair because L.A. Mm -hmm. is supposed to be the best team and they have more talent than the Rays. And, and payroll, even aside, they are better. There, there's no doubt. The way that FanDuel sees it and Vegas sees it is they see the Dodgers as better. But I, I think that 
what I don't get caught up in, and I haven't, and if you haven't watched the postseason this year, then you, you probably are one of these people, but that we live, as we would call it, in prisoners of the moment. So naturally, everybody after seeing that game last night is immediately going to go to L.A., and we knew, and they're, ba- mm-hmm. they're great, and they're under this. And I am telling you, that is not going to be the case in this series. The Rays have battled back. The Braves had the Dodgers on the ropes. Uh, we, we've seen other series here where, t- look, look at Houston against the Rays. The Rays were up big in that series, and Houston came back. So I would just slow down all of that conversation because <laughs> the, Rays are built, the Rays are built to win. and. I look, I don't I don't have a feel for what Kevin Cash is doing because I shouldn't because he does things that are just amazing. But to me, it was evident that the game was over and I was watching with my son and it was getting late and it was in the fifth inning. And I said, listen, you're going to bed. This is not happening tonight. They are not coming back. I promise I will wake you up if they come back. (laughs) But they are the Rays are not coming back in this one. Let's reset to tomorrow. And uh, and look, strange things happen in baseball, and they very easily could have. Mm-hmm. But that's my feeling on yesterday's game. It's one game. The Rays are going to battle. I, I think that Snell uh, from the left side will challenge L.A. today. Mm-hmm. Who who does L.A. have on the mound today, uh, Joe? Tony Gonsolin. Look, he pitched, yeah. very, he pitched very well during the regular season, probably amongst the top in terms of rookie of the year. But would it shock you to see the Rays score six runs and win 6-2 to two tonight? It wouldn't shock me at all. So that's where I'm at with this series. I hate to use the cliche of taking it game by game, day by day, because that's what all the coaches and players say. But literally, that's what I'm doing. And if I and, and I think the value is all on the Rays for the series now. If you thought the Rays were going to win the World Series, look at the kind of odds that you could get on FanDuel right now. I mean, they're, they, you will never get them again if they win tonight. So I, I'm not. I, I still think LA wins the World Series. But if you believe in the Rays, so I think that I think t- today's the day to get that bet down. Well, if they're going to do it and they're going to respond today offensively, it's got to be a Rosarena, right? Uh, and that's the thing. How long can this streak last? It's lost. It's lasted a few uh, playoff rounds already, but we all know eventually streaks end. And who else can step up in that void? Is it a guy like Choi who's back in the lineup today? Is it a guy uh, like Austin Meadows? Is it some other player? Look, Kiermaier went yard last night in this game, so maybe he's a guy that's going to heat up at the right time. But look, if the Rays are going to respond here offensively, they can't always rely on just a Rosarena to be that guy. Like they've got to have somebody else step up in that void here a little bit and support him, I think, because it's a lot of expectations to put on a rookie in the World Series against the Dodgers to continue to be as good as he's been. All right, we got Chris coming up next with the update. Then we'll hit a little trust or bust in fantasy football, focused on some players that you could be on the fence on. So make sure you stay on the grid for fantasy sports today is coming right up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking? And want to know how to make it your career. Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table. With, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, it's time for a little trust or bust here on the show. Do you trust a guy? Is he a bust in fantasy football? I guess it's kind of an open-ended question, but we're going to play a little game of that here on our Wednesday edition of the show. Also, get you ready for World Series Game 2 coming up. So, let's dive in a little bit here, Joe, and, and start off with the quarterback position. And each of us will have an opinion here and basically quantify it in some way. Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles in a 12-team fantasy football league was a starter. Now he is Mm -hmm. probably not. 1,401 yards, eight touchdowns. If you lose two points for a pick in your fantasy league, you are miserable with starting Carson Wentz this year, no (laughs) doubt about that. 19 fantasy points per game. They were down 14 to nothing before Wentz came all the way back, brought them back again, and they actually did have a chance to win the game. I want to give them credit for that, not to say it was garbage mm-hmm. time. It was garbage time when you're done. Garbage time's like Dallas on Monday night. This was not garbage time. They <laughs> legitimately could have won the game. Mm-hmm. So do you trust Do you trust starting Wentz uh, this week or moving forward, however you want to pose it, I guess, here? Trust or bust <laughs> Wentz? Well, look, in a single quarterback league, the good news is you don't have to. The good news is you can find other options there. They're going to be better than Carson Wentz. I think where this comes to a little bit more of a conversation is in those two QB leagues or the super flex formats, because I think if you consider what he's had to work with, or more importantly, what he hasn't had to work with, if you can get Goddard healthy in a week, if you can get eventually Zach Ertz back and Jeffrey back and all these pieces, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, Fulgham's been great. Don't get me wrong. And the funny thing is, despite all of these negatives, like the interceptions, he's still averaging somewhere around 19 fantasy points a week. That's pretty good. That puts you right in that low-end QB1 conversation, believe it or not. So the fact that regardless of the mistakes, he's still kind of getting somewhere in that same range, it's something to consider in the Superflex leagues, and it's something to understand that in terms of schedule, he's got the Giants twice, the Cowboys, the Cleveland Browns, and the Seattle Seahawks coming up. Those are all really good fantasy matchups, theoretically, for Carson Wentz. So I would say you trust him. But in the single quarterback league, I can understand not doing it. But in Superflex, I think he actually becomes a really interesting buy low if you're, let's say, a, a Dak Prescott owner or somebody like that. Or or maybe you had Ryan Fitzpatrick and you're searching around. Oh, that was my second quarterback. Now what do I do? Because two is out there for the rest of the year, maybe. Yeah, for, for me, I, I think he's a bust. And and call me crazy, but I am in camp Jalen Hurts. And, and I think that he is going to play. I, I don't know if it's this week or next week or the week after that, but I, I've said this a few times, and it sounds like I'm saying it every show here. I, I just cannot see a scenario where Philadelphia comes out of the box where, with Wentz throwing a couple picks and them trailing every game, 14 to nothing, 10 to nothing, 17 to nothing. I, I think eventually they're going to pull the plug on this. I really do. So I'm going to say bust. And I, look, I don't know what Hurts will be in the NFL. I have no clue whatsoever, none. I mean, this is a player who was fantastic in college in both places, Oklahoma and Alabama. Mm-hmm. But NFL is a different animal. We've seen some guys great. We've seen some guys not so great. But I, I think that unless Philadelphia wins, and, and I got to say, unless they win this week, 
I, I think we may see Jalen Hurts play quarterback the following week. So I'm going to say bust. I'm going to say bust with Wentz, unfortunately, because I do think he's good. Okay, over to the running back position. James Robinson of Jacksonville through four weeks was fantastic. And on the season, 85 carries, 362, three touchdowns, averaging 17 fantasy points per game. But the last three weeks, he's really struggled. Now, in watching these games, to me, it's very evident what's going on. The defense is putting everyone in the box there, and they do not trust mm-hmm. Minshew's deep ball ability. They know that Minshew gets slippery there in the pocket and will run. And so by putting everyone in the box against Jacksonville, you're doing two things. Number one, you're stopping James Robinson. And number two, you're not letting Minshew run. And since they've eliminated those two things, and literally every time Robinson has rolled out of the backfield, Joe, there's a guy on him now. And and that mm-hmm. wasn't the case. All, like, like the teams know that they want to throw to him, and there's someone waiting for him right there. So you see it when he's catching the ball. It's like one reception, two receptions for five yards. I don't know that Minshew can make the adjustment, and we have heard a little bit about a possible benching, which I hate to see. So for me, Joe, I think Robinson may be a bust the rest of the way. I don't think he's got a lot of competition there. I still think he's going to play. He's a starting running back in the NFL, and I could use him. I would start him if I had no – If I have nothing to start in one league, and I would start him for sure. But he's a startable player, but I also think that the numbers are not going to be there for the rest of the season. I just don't think so. I think the trend is strong and everything you said is exactly right. Uh, averaging just nine fantasy points per game in the last three weeks. That tells you everything. And it wasn't like an outlier. He had written really good game and then a really bad one. No, he hasn't gotten above 10 the last three weeks. So is really consistent. And that's what's so scary here. And everything Craig's saying is right. He is seeing a ton of defenders in the box. And look, this Jacksonville offense is really spotty right now. And they started off really good and things look great. But when you have more film on guys, all of a sudden you can – change your approach, and I think James Robinson got a little found out, too, to a certain extent. The good news is the overall numbers for Robinson look really good because if you look at his fantasy points per game, they're still at 17. How many guys would love to have a running back at 17 fantasy points per game? The problem is the trend, and the trend is going in the wrong direction. So he's an intriguing actually sell high because I think you could sell him high off the season-long stats, but if you look closer, you'll see there's probably a bad negative trend going here. So I'm going to say bust as well for the rest of the season for Robinson, which is sad because there's a really fun, good story there for the first few weeks. Yeah, and, and that and that's exactly it with the film. And look, going into the season, all you had was more or less college film on Robinson where he was mm-hmm. a good player. But now, but once you see the first two games of the year, you see that Minshew, he, he right. rolls back, he looks left, he looks right, throws it to Robinson, Robinson runs for 50 yards. I mean, that, that was going on for the first three games. Mm-hmm. And now... I, I, I watched the last two games. The second this guy catches the ball, is immediately somebody there. And, yeah. and and now Jacksonville has to make that adjustment. That's why Marone, I think, is being hard on on Minshew because but Minshew doesn't have that ability at times to to mm-hmm. find the open guy deep. And so Jacksonville, look, it's a mess, but we knew it would be a mess going into the year. Okay, David Montgomery of the Bears, why would they change anything the way that they do? They're off to a great start, and Montgomery has 82 carries for 305 yards, so that's not great. One touchdown, 13 fantasy points. He'll take it. He's a starting running back in the NFL. This is another player, Joe, that I would just love to have because I don't, I'm missing starters all over the place. But realistically, I, I mean, I can't say bust because I would start him, but the Bears don't 
really showing off offensively to make him a star. What would he grade out right mm. now in terms of running back? Is he a RB two? Is he there? He's an RB three basically at the at this. He's like low end RB two, high end RB three, depending upon uh, what the scoring is in your league. And that's really if he's in an RB two low end, it's because of how many injuries there have been and how many guys are missing time. But uh, I what's maddening about Montgomery is he seems to play well in games where he shouldn't. Right, he's got a matchup against Tampa. Uh, one of the best defenses against the run, and they happen to throw the ball to him a lot that day, and he gets a lot of fancy points. A lot of people scratch their heads going, oh, wow, I mean, didn't see that coming. And then he's got a good matchup last week, and he doesn't take advantage of it. It is very frustrating, and and you look at the one touchdown, that's frustrating too, and I think at a certain point you throw your hands up. I do not trust him. I think he is a bust, but kind of like you're saying, you're sort of stuck at this point going forward because he is the only guy there. So he has the backfield to himself. So this is kind of a complicated one. But, man, if I could get out of the David Montgomery business and get somebody else decent, I would. But I guess it's 2020. We don't have those kind of nice thing luxuries anymore. No, we really don't. And if you have Montgomery and you're looking at your other options, I mean, mean, I'll just tell you the options from somebody who plays. Here's my options. Uh, Cam Akers. Okay, fantastic. Mark Ingram, great. Not playing hurt, right. Mark Ingram's on the field. Exactly. I would take Montgomery in a heartbeat. You know, it's like I'm looking at the 49ers backup this week. I'm looking at Clement maybe playing. It's it's desperate times, especially with bye Mm -hmm. weeks and players off. Yeah. It it is not easy to find players who are playing. And Montgomery is a guy that also in terms of PPR – is catching some balls out of the backfield. If, if you could guarantee me 10 fantasy points from a running back this week, I would take it. Like that's, that's how desperate mm-hmm. I am uh, in, in my league for that. Okay. Carolina Panthers back at it this week. DJ Moore fantasy football trust or bust on DJ. Let's talk about him. 27 receptions, 48 targets, 474 yards, one touchdown, 13 fantasy points per game. In this day and age of fantasy football, unfortunately, that's not a lot. If this was last year or the year before, that would be a lot. But I, I suppose you just kind of have to wonder which way Carolina is going to go. They they had that tough matchup last week with the Bears. This is a really intriguing mm-hmm. one for me coming up this week for them. And I, and I guess, Joe, more. I, I think there's probably better options out there at wide receiver, but I feel like we're in that same battle again here is that it's hard to find uh, players who you trust more than more. So I may say trust with more moving forward. I actually trust more too. And you can't worry about the touchdown totals with him. He didn't have a lot of touchdown totals last year. And I think what you saw the first month of the season was teams were game planning for DJ Moore. Why? Because he had such a good year last year. Then all of a sudden Robbie Anderson got in the mix and Robbie Anderson was seeing a ton of single coverage. Why? Because uh, nobody thought that Teddy Bridgewater could throw the ball deep to him. Well, guess what? Teddy Bridgewater has proven everybody wrong. Now I feel like things are sort of leveling off just a tad here. This will be a fascinating week against New Orleans. We'll see how that levels off in terms of productivity. But you can't take too much what you saw out of Atlanta, but you hope that there's a trend where DJ Moore is going to get more involved now because off uh, defenses have to basically understand that Robbie Anderson's been the go-to guy here for Teddy Bridgewater early on, and I think that makes him pretty good going forward. And then the last guy on this list, DJ Shark, is another guy that, look, I have all of the respect for. This guy is a terrific wide receiver. But at the same time, he's been hurt. However, he's basically, you know, catching almost everything you throw at him. And he does have three touchdowns. And he's still averaging almost 14 points per game in PPR when he's on the field. That being said, I would trust DJ Shark going forward. So both DJs for me are trust. But, Craig, I understand with some of the uncertainty now at the quarterback position from Jacksonville, that could change very quickly. Yeah, no, you're a big Shark homer. 
So you're really biased mm-hmm. when it comes to this player. I think that when he, I think you recommended him when he was out for the year. That's how much you like this guy. No offense. So um, it, it's not that I don't like this player. It's just the Jacksonville offense is very hit or miss. I was shocked to hear that Cole had more receptions than anybody else. Uh, this this player's had a hard time staying on the field. I don't see Jacksonville going uh, going in a positive direction. But that being said, Shark could probably be a wide receiver three or flex right matchup for sure. Okay, Wave Wire Wednesday is next. Make sure you stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today on a Waiver Wire Wednesday. Those of you getting ready in fantasy football to make your big moves, this is probably the week. I had a waiver run earlier today. Put in a bid for, of course, the Buffalo defense. I don't know why they were cut, but somebody cut them. Didn't get them. Put in a bid, of course, to get a new running back that could start this week in Boston Scott. Of course, didn't get him too. So this will help me. Maybe it'll help those of you who are watching to see if there's any diamonds in the rough. I may have one at the end of this segment here that we're not going to show. We'll talk about them in just a minute. But first, let's show uh, more or less the obvious ones of the players who are out there in 50% or less owned in fantasy leagues. We'll start off in Buffalo with Zach Moss, who's owned in 55%. Look, Devin Singletary, the shine is off this guy in a big way. So Mm -hmm. maybe Zach Moss earns a little bit more playing time. We'll have to see. Moss was really good. But again, a Pac-12 running back, always got to factor that in. They'll always succeed. And we'll see if, if Moss gets more carries there. Justin Jackson of the Chargers, 47% owned, seems to be now the primary ball carrier with the Chargers as Kelly has fallen back a little bit. Boston Scott, 14% owned. He's going to be owned in 80% of leagues this week. What's he going to do Thursday? Nobody knows. Corey Clement has played a little bit in the past with Philadelphia. Frank Gore, good old Frank, has made the list at 31%. But I think that we feel uh, LaMichael Pirine eventually is going to get more time with the Jets. <laughs> even every, every time I look at Frank Gore's stats, it's 10 carries, 40 yards, 4 yards per carry. I mean, they're going to keep giving him the ball. And then Ingram is questionable for the week. So Gus Edwards becomes a play. Maybe J.K. Dobbins becomes a play. Uh, Ingram is a high ankle sprain, supposed to play this week, but who knows. Uh, so uh, n- no sexy names, Joe, this week. But sexy is not the term in 2020. We got to find somebody that's going to be able to play. So I give you your choice of all of these players (laughs) and an empty hole in your fantasy lineup this week. All of these guys Mm. that are listed right here. And you can only pick one. Who is the one? Uh, If I could only pick one, Justin Jackson would be the one for me. And I like the matchup that he's got here this week against Jacksonville. Uh, I think the Chargers coming off the bye are a really good sell for me. Uh, Joshua Kelly is good. He has been good, but he's also fumbled the ball a lot. So to me, Justin Jackson's a guy that's familiar with the offense. He's been there a while. He's graded out pretty well in PFF stuff. So if you look and do some deeper research on him, it looks like he could be in line here to really be a useful fantasy back this week. My problem with Boston Scott is, look, you know, he had the opportunity at the beginning of the season, and it didn't work. And now all of a sudden we're throwing it out there again. And, you know, say what you will about the Giants. Defensively, they're not as bad as you might think when you go back and you look at some of the stats on them. They're actually okay. And I think this is a tough sell, the way, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line has played so poorly this year. In fact, if you missed on Boston Scott, who's to say in PPR leagues that Corey Clement for a buck afterwards, if you have another waiver wire run on Saturday up into Sunday's games, or you could just pick up a player for free, 
doesn't have a couple catches and a touchdown because Corey Clement has done that sort of thing before in this circumstance. So I would not be fretting if you miss out on Boston Scott. Clement would be that backup if you're just desperate, if you're the Miles Sanders owners, nothing else left. I think Zach Moss is interesting, more of a long-term play here because Zach Moss not only has a game here against the Jets this week, he has an opportunity here to really show himself because, as you said, Devin Singletary really hasn't gotten it done. He's had some games where Moss has been on the shelf. Moss should be back this week, and if he is back to full strength, man, all of a sudden, I think you're going to get an opportunity here to at least look good in garbage time here when you have a lead and run the football a little bit because you would think that would be Zach Moss. Like He should be the guy to be doing that potentially as this game goes on. can't imagine the Jets keeping pace with Buffalo. Uh, I would also say that you know Gus Edwards with Baltimore having a bye this week is an interesting pickup now. Don't wait for the news about Ingram in a week. Be proactive, not reactive. You could probably get Gus Edwards for a buck and then see, and then all of a sudden if they say, oh, Ingram's going to miss a couple weeks, later in the week you find this out, oh, no, then next week all of a sudden you might have to pay 10 bucks for him. So be proactive if you have the bench spot and you can do it. Just get him and see what happens because if anybody in that backfield, he has had the best yards per carry average. He's run really well against eight defenders. So all the reasons where, look, he's got touchdown equity, all of that really looks like Gus Edwards could be useful. So be proactive, not reactive on the waiver wire to him. Yeah, and then I would close it out with San Francisco because of Mostert being out this week. Jeff Wilson Mm -hmm. also may end up missing this week, and Wilson would be an easy pickup, I think, for most people because, I mean, every time the other running backs are out for San Francisco, at the very least, Wilson gets the ball near the goal line, so you're going to get yourself six or seven points. But uh, Jermichael Hasty, who I remember watching at Baylor. Now, look, Baylor was really bad when Jermichael Hasty was there, so it's kind of hard to look at his numbers and think – you know what the player is, and he was undrafted, and this is, I, I don't think he's a superstar, but if I had a dollar in a fantasy league and I was desperate, see, it, it couldn't hurt just to grab him and see what happens because if Wilson is out, Joe, and Mostert is out, who do they have? Mm-hmm. I mean, Coleman, they've already said, is out, right? So it, it would it would only well, McKinnon be... Is- yeah but what has McKinnon been he's been nothing right so he's been okay he's been okay at times he's been up and down when Mostert's been there he's been bad when Mostert wasn't there he was pretty good but then again you look at the games that they played where Mostert wasn't there it was games where they had better offensive matchups so that's what becomes difficult do you think that New England is going to be bad two weeks in a row at home Uh, that's a tough sell here Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo has been up and down as well this year there's no doubt about that yeah, well, I mean, look, Bill Belichick, if he's going to take one guy away, and he's going to be Jermichael Hasty, I think, coming up this week. Yeah, but, you know, because Belichick always takes I think it would be Kittle. I think it would be Kittle since we're talking about it, but we'll see. I mean, you, you can say like it's not a definitely. If you don't think San Francisco could beat New England, you didn't watch last week. Come on, man. I of mean, course they, they can. I didn't say they couldn't. I'm just saying I Come wouldn't on, be man. betting on it. That was that's a all. brutal performance. It was. It was all terrible. Right. Let's go to the wide receivers here for a minute. And uh, Mike Williams looks like he's back. A lot of people forgot about Mike Williams because he was banged up. He probably will be banged up again at some point, but he's back on the field this <laughs> week under 50 Travis Fulgham was a hot pickup in one of the leagues I was in. He went for a lot of money, actually. 31%. Alshon Jeffrey, 15%. Christian Kirk looked good last week and the week before, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. But the matchup was good for him at 39%. Keelan Cole, who we discussed on yesterday's show, you could go back and watch on demand. It turns out Cole has the most targets, most catches for the Jaguars this year, 29%. Tim Patrick of Denver, 18%. And Brashad Perryman is finally healthy for the Jets and could be Joe Flacco or Sam Darnold's number one target, and he is at 8%. So the names certainly this week, I I think across the board in the waiver wire, aren't like a let-me-spend-all-my-money kind of week. But I'd be interested in 
looking at Williams for sure. And if Fulgham is the healthiest wide receiver in Philadelphia, he's proven that he could do the most with the targets. Well, the top two guys are definitely the ones to be aggressive on. And Fulgham has been really good. In fact, last week I gave him zero chance to be productive, and he was. So good on him. And when you look around, there's really nobody left. So he's going to see some targets. Mike Williams has always had the huge upside, and Mike Williams has been frustrating. Look, I, I know. I've ridden that train with you where you look at the body type, you look at the good games, you watch him, you say, this guy should be a superstar. Incredible injuries, inconsistency, all of that just continues to mount for him. However, he's had a fresh start here with Justin Herbert, and in these last couple of games, he's looked really good. I'm going to go back to this matchup just like I did uh, in the last segment here with Justin Jackson. I'm going to do the same thing here with Mike Williams. This is a good matchup against Jacksonville. I would take advantage of it. And the arrow is pointing up for Christian Kirk right now. These last two games have been very good. He is showing you that big play ability. And defenses have realized, hey, look, we there's just no way you can't double team at all times DeAndre Hopkins in this offense because the first month of the season, he was just running amok on people, right? Now defenses are saying, okay, beat us with somebody else. And he has. And that guy so far has been Christian Kirk and some of those deep passes. So it's a little boomer bust with Christian Kirk, but he's worth picking up there. And you can see in terms of roster percentage, he's still under 40. And I think that's at this point kind of silly. He should be on most rosters because he does have that kind of upside, especially during bye weeks. Yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald, who will be a Hall of Famer the second he decides to retire, just hasn't been a factor at all. Kirk has passed him. No, he hasn't. And you know what, Craig? One more thing, too, because we kind of really didn't touch on him. But a guy seeing a lot of targets the last couple weeks, and we kind of rolled our eyes that first week against the Jets. But now it's a couple weeks in a row is is Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos. And you got to imagine they're going to be behind this game against the Chiefs and have to throw the ball at least a little bit. He doesn't have a huge touchdown upside. Denver's not a great offense. But if you're just talking like deep PPR leagues, I think you could do worse than Tim Patrick this week in this matchup, too. Okay. Let's go over to tight ends and quarterbacks, and we're always looking for those. I'm going to have to ask Dr. Chow about Dallas Goddard because I'm not clear on on what's going on with him, and he's being picked back up again after he was cut. Trey Burton, everyone's running after him after the week he had last week. Irv Smith we have on here every week, it feels like, still waiting. Anthony Ferkser scored a <laughs> touchdown, and Jonu Smith's status is in doubt. So, of course, he is he's made his way onto our waiver wire. Uh, Herbert of the Chargers, a big favorite for them this week, so some will use him. And then whether or not you believe what you saw last week from Derek Carr is real. That's that's not something we've seen from Derek Carr, constantly throwing down the field and attacking. Did that against the Chiefs. Maybe this is the Raiders' new game plan. If it is, this reminds me of Carr from like three years ago. But if not, and he goes back to what he was, then I'm not really interested. And that's where I stand with these guys this week. Well, I got to tell you, Craig, I think it has to be their game plan this week because that Tampa Bay front is very aggressive. That Tampa Bay front really does a good job of stopping the run. So if the Vegas Raiders are going to have any chance in this game, it is going to be throwing the football and a little bit more of a vertical pass game and getting rugs and getting those guys involved in Waller and all that. So there's some upside this week with this matchup here. And I think they could potentially build on what you saw two weeks ago against the Buffalo Bills. And Herbert's played great. Look, you know, in certain formats, you know, he might have been dropped in a single quarterback uh, league. But I'll ask you this question. Rest of the season, who would you rather have, Carson Wentz or Justin Herbert? Well, I think probably Herbert. I think probably Herbert. I think I, I, think I know that Herbert's going to play no matter what the rest of the way. So, I mean, look, That's again, it's, it's, subject, it's, it's, it's subject to opinion. There could be someone who thinks that I'm nuts for thinking that Hertz is going to play. And they would probably be right, but that's my opinion. I, I think that Philly is looking at this thing. They're looking at every other quarterback around the league that got drafted and, and are in or playing well or about to play well. And, and they're looking at their own team. 
am thinking maybe this is the guy who could turn it around. It sounds nuts, but I, I think Peterson is the kind of coach that would actually do it too. So Herbert, for me, if he's going to play every week and he is the guy, it looks like he is the guy, then yeah, I think that I would rather play him for sure. And again, he'll have some decent matchups down down mm-hmm. the road as well, for sure. So uh, beyond that, tight ends, uh, quarterbacks here, Joe, uh, as far as uh, Goddard is concerned, is he plug and play if he starts this week? But what, what is going on? I think so. Him? Like, I know if he, he can, can, but again, yeah, come off injured reserve. But they haven't I believe, brought him off. Of yes, they haven't yet. So I guess we have to wait and see if maybe it's going to be one of these, you know, things we get news tomorrow that he's going to maybe probably during the show it could leak at some point in time. We I feel like we're yeah, the show I that breaks all the news. I feel like we yeah. might have that news later in this program here in the now hour two. That's why you never leave Sports Grid and you never leave Fantasy Sports today because we're going to be on this stuff for you. But Irv Smith has been good for two games in a row. And Irv Smith is starting to develop. And I think Irv Smith is one of these guys, too, that I would be really focused on in Dynasty and Keeper League formats because he probably wasn't on a lot of radars because he didn't do anything last year. And now he's starting to do something. And I think tight end is always one of those spots that's been historically very difficult. You have like the boomer bust guys. You have the Travis Kelsey superstars. Are you trying to piece things together? So when you get a second year player that's starting to pop a little bit, I think it's worth taking notice of, and I would look really long and hard about adding Irv Smith to at least a bench spot because maybe by the end of the year, he grows into a tight end, one low end maybe, and maybe that gives you something going forward you can build on. So I think Irv Smith is more of a long-term dynasty keeper league kind of play than necessarily a guy who can help you a lot in 2020, but I think people should take notice that he's playing better. He's making some plays. It seems like Rudolph is kind of fading away a little bit, and they're going more with him or Jefferson, and things are starting to turn over a little bit in Minnesota and who knows there could be even more turnover in Minnesota as the season goes on but even if Goddard doesn't play I would still add him this week anyway because now's the time to be aggressive once again don't cost yourself more money by waiting just go out and get him you know what Dallas Goddard is and even at the worst case scenario Zach Ertz is probably going to miss a couple weeks if you don't get a Goddard this week playing maybe next week you get him and then you can obviously start him out there at tight end because he's going to be involved in the offense Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do fantasy trivia. We'll have that coming up next, and then we'll reset to the top of the hour. We'll have our headlines also here from the manager of Los Angeles, Dave Roth. So make sure you stay tuned. More fantasy sports today coming your way right after SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. Some interesting comments made by DJ Shark this week leading to the possibility of Doug Marone even mentioning that Gardner Minshew could potentially be on the bench at some point this season. What are they doing there in Jacksonville? We can't bench Minshew Mania. That'd be a huge mistake, Joe. What do we got for our trivia today based around Minshew Mania? Well, if he did get benched, mustache enthusiasts everywhere would be very depressed, and rightfully so. But this is a simple true or false. Gardner Minshew has a better fantasy points per game average than the following quarterbacks. Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger, Breeze, and Stafford. And yes, this is a loaded question because we're talking fantasy points, not real-life quarterbacking, but is he above all of these, uh, dare I say, Hall of Fame or at least high-end caliber quarterbacks? I'm going to say true. False. 
He is ahead of three of them. Do you want to guess the one guy that's actually ahead of him? Okay, who's the one guy that's ahead of him? Oh, there's only one ahead of him? I thought there's three ahead of him. No, only one. Only one. There's a two-part trivia. The only one that is ahead of him is Roethlisberger. Tom Brady, Tom Terrific is the only guy that is ahead of him right now. So, look, in terms of productivity from a fantasy standpoint, you don't really care what happens with the Jacksonville Jaguars. In fact, you want that defense to be bad. You want them to be playing from behind him, chucking the ball all over the place. You want him to be irresponsible because you want the fantasy points. In reality, things are more complex than that. But I don't know, Craig. I can't understand moving to Mike Glennon at this point. Haven't we seen enough Mike Glennon <laughs> moments oh. in the NFL? I mean, geez, I don't know how that makes it a better for that team. I don't know, man. A refocusing of Gardner Minshew? I mean, come on. That's all nonsense. Look, look, I I think we all know what Gardner Minshew is. I think he can be a starting quarterback in the league. But here is where I think that is so crucial, is that if for some reason Jacksonville decides they've had enough and it would be a huge mistake, what I would do is I would make him the highest paid backup in the NFL. And just mm-hmm. stick him on my bench and let. The, I mean, he probably wants to play, but I would love having I'd go the get Carson Wentz I to come in a game. I get. I go get any, Carson any Wentz if I was that <laughs> Yeah, any, any I would give him a shot. All right, we'll have our headlines next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 